Welcome to the Critical Witness podcast, where we talk faith, apologetics, evangelism, and anything else we can think of. We hope you enjoy the show. Good evening. Welcome to Critical Witness, where we talk about anything and everything around Christianity, philosophy, culture, and uh, wherever else our conversations take us. Uh, I'm Phil. Uh, I've got Dan, co-host, and our guest, Graham. Uh, I'll put you guys on the screen. Welcome, Graham, to our show, our, our professional show, where we're always ready for the show to start on time. And uh, we're, we're learning <laughs> still. So... Um, a great, great little intro, bit of music, and then then it all went quiet, and then there you were. There, there I was, there I was, and I, I wasn't as surprised as I often am for some reason. Yeah, you used to look surprised, <laughs> sort of like this is like, oh, it's oh, oh, hello. He's, he's getting better after about thirty-five guys, For forty-one. But who's counting? <laughs> so, um, Graham, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, you, you know Dan somehow. Dan, Dan's got you on the show. I'm learning with the audience. Um, so. In, in five minutes or less, who are you and uh, what's important to you? And, and we'll get to why you're on the show in, in a bit. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't know, Dan. I actually have no clue why I'm on. But it's, very, <laughs> it's, it's a great, great pleasure to be on. Um, but I, I don't know you, Dan, do I? I haven't got that wrong. I haven't sort of like uh, met you. Well, I, wouldn't, I think no is too far. We visited your church uh, about a month ago uh-huh. to move to Hayward Heath. Um, ah, so uh, we we briefly chatted. I spoke longer with your wife, um, <laughs> and uh, she was very nice uh, during during the summer. Uh, so yeah, we don't we don't technically know each other, but we have we have met. I didn't make that connection at all. So uh, the, the audience is learning with me yeah. who you are. <laughs> We're all learning. How I even knew you. You could have said that in the email. Um, yeah. And then it might make sense. I, said, yeah. <laughs> I thought my amazing social media and like general YouTube presence had just like reached you because I'm like so famous, but clearly not. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's an epic fail. Okay. Go, go, go on, Dan. Nice. <laughs> no, I mean... You should join our church, by the way, and then I'd get to know you. Yeah, there you sure. go. There you go. Cool. All right, I'll get back so, to me because obviously it's about me more than about It is about guys. you. It is about you. So which church is that? Um, Christ Church, Haywards Heath. Um, oh, cool. Where uh, I'm basically, um, I am, I'm, I'm a guy who's a pastor of that church. Uh, one of the pastors. We've got a couple of full-timers as well as staff. And uh, I do that sort of majority of my time. And then in some other of my time, I'm director of an organization called Affinity, which mm. is kind of a network of networks. So it's like a super group of church networks. And we kind of get together. We try and encourage one another uh, with what's going on right across the British Isles uh, into Scotland and Northern Ireland and Wales uh, with different networks, some Presbyterian, some uh, FIEC type kind of independent evangelical, Grace Baptists some Anglicans and stuff. So uh, we get together, encourage one another, pray about various situations. We have a theological conference every couple of years um, where we have original papers sort of being presented and on, on a theme. We produce a theological journal called Foundations. 
and uh, we also try and engage with the Christian media and with the secular media, try and be a, a voice for conservative evangelical Christians. And that's mm. mainly what I do. So although I, I do all the other stuff, it kind of happens naturally, all the other stuff. Um, right. the, the, my main attention in the sort of day or so a week I've got is, is in writing and trying to get um, media appearances and, and talk about anything really from a Christian perspective. Uh, the, the sort of mainstay is, is Christian media, but uh, you know, every, every couple of weeks I get on talk radio or GB News or BBC Local or something like that. Sometimes mm. BBC National, but that's a bit rarer. Yeah. Yeah. So you were on GB News recently, so maybe we'll get onto onto that a, a little bit. Um, I, I, I guess the, the natural question then, like, it sounds like you're quite broad in, in your reach, yeah. but what would you find in the conversations are most commonly at the moment? In churches, you mean, or with non-Christians? Uh, maybe a little, or maybe, let's start with churches. That what, what are you kind of finding you need to tackle uh, as conversations within church and we'll move to more secular in a bit yeah i mean i suppose that the, there's all the standard stuff going on in churches that there's always going on with you know how do we do evangelism and um mm. you know how do we disciple and there's, there's all those things which are always an issue i guess the the two standout things that have become more prominent in the last couple of years one is covid not surprisingly mm -hmm. um yeah. so there's there's just lots of conversations going on in in churches that, that have been going on ever since covid started really but the kind of how do we recover how do we restart uh what does it look like how do we reconnect with people we might have just lost a bit of connection with how do we deal with people who are completely gung-ho compared to people who are still frightened to leave the house and i think virtually all churches are, are facing that you kind of think mm. you're unique but but pretty much all churches have a core in the middle that are pretty chilled you have a, a small group who are like, you know, why didn't we start meeting, you know, the day after COVID broke out? And then you've got another a sort of core who are, oh, we're too scared and you really shouldn't be breathing sort of thing. And and trying hmm. to promote Christian unity in churches and between churches with that going on, that's an issue. I think mm -hmm. the other thing that, that is around is, that's kind of slightly been provoked by that is, but just kind of, what is the church? What's the point of the church? And... Uh, connected with that sort of how do we lead the church what's a healthy church culture i suppose is a way of putting it and that's partly emerging out of covid as to you know people have been asking questions they never asked before like you know does it matter if we physically meet does it matter if you have the lord's supper physically together or is it okay to all just practice it all at home um mm. you know is is being bodily present a thing but more than that like um is it just about consuming like is church just about we just kind of download some information from the preacher or the Bible teacher or the you know, person who's given a report. And, and that's what we do. And we just happen to do it in the room with a few other people or, you know, or is it mm -hmm. more than that? And then stuff about leadership culture, which is, is sort of bleeding through from from, you know, some mostly good stuff about bullying leadership and leadership in organizations, in the workplace, uh, you know, in the home that uh, is kind of bleeding through in a good way to churches asking questions about our our leaders are people like me bullies um right. what, what kind of leaders are we so that's that's a conversation that's going on right across churches um, mm. so there's just there's just a couple of things um yeah along with along with all the normal stuff what how mm. so how exactly did you navigate um in terms of leading the church how did you navigate covid and would you yeah. if, if 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 you got in respect to what you did would you do anything differently mm. on, on reflection 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think, I don't think we behaved perfectly, um, but I don't think there's anything fundamentally we do differently. I think in the end, we, we recognised in the church and in the leadership, there was a range of views. Some of us were kind of almost on the point of the, this is overreach by the state. And some were a bit more, um, you know, we really need to love each other by being a bit more cautious than the state is. And the way we navigated that at our church was we 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 went with the rules. So whatever a fair interpretation of the law and the guidance was at any point, we went with that because that's consistent. It was defensible. You could explain it to anybody. Um, so when we weren't allowed to open for a month or for the few months at the very beginning, we didn't open. As soon as we were allowed to open uh, the, the first Sunday, well, it was the second Sunday, but we we got completely open. We did exactly what we were allowed to do. As soon as we were allowed to not wear masks and sing, we, we didn't wear masks and we sung. Um, you know, as soon as we were allowed to not socially distance, we didn't socially distance anymore. So that's kind of the way we've navigated it. And then that's in terms of the decisions. And then in terms of the um, uh, communication of it, we, we just tried to explain it. So for the for the very first opening, we had a, a, a sort of Zoom church meeting thing where we tried to explain to people what we were doing. We tried to set out why, why we're meeting, why it's important, why we're taking risks. Um, yeah. We did a questionnaire a couple of times, like what you're worried about, you know, what's your biggest concerns. The church is about 170 members, so it's a reasonable number. It's not massive, but it's, you know, it's a reasonable number to sort of make sure you know what everyone's thinking. So, yeah, as much as much dialogue as we could. Um, probably the things that weren't perfect were, you know, whether we dialogued quite enough. Um mm. You know, whether we took into account everyone's views, whether sometimes, you know, one of us might make a slightly offhand joke or remark, which which kind of labelled somebody as something, you know what I mean? So yeah. they're, they're probably they're probably the little wrinkles that we did along the way where, you know, you know, I might have said, oh, I'm fed up with wearing masks. And uh, and that was that was that was a true expression of how I felt on the day. But, you know, there, there are some people who would see that as a signal that you're kind of promoting a rebellion or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I, I have th- this role in affinity, I was also writing to the government at various times saying, you should allow us to sing. This is ridiculous. Or you should mm-hmm. allow us to start meeting again. Or, um, um, you know, m- mask wearing is a bit dubious. You know, do we really need to do it in church um, when we're seeing loads of football crowds watching the, the Euros and so forth? And mm. so that gave me a sort of it gave me a bit of an edge sometimes that people thought I was a total rebel. <laughs> Um, so navigating that was a little bit tricky. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was, it's all good, all good learning. Yeah, it's it some interesting things. I think the dialogue was an important one too. We part of the decisions we had as a church in in Guildford, uh, we meet in a school, and and the school wasn't opening for outside um, rentals, so they took much of the decision making out of our hands. Yeah. So in that in that regard, it was actually quite straightforward. No one saw us as kowtowing to the state <laughs> they just saw it as a, a practical this is what what we have to live with and and how do we then meet online but in terms of explaining the sort of rationale around meeting online and sort of communion stuff i think i think we just rolled with it because that's all we could do uh and and sort of life groups and but in terms of really navigating the theology of what it means to be bodily present and do we need that for for communion i think we just sort of 
we might have just skipped over those a little bit and just kind of went went for it. Uh, it seemed to work. We haven't lost too many people. Thank, thank the Lord, and and our church has actually grown on the other side of COVID. But it's, um, yeah, that kind of dialogue is something I think we we could definitely do do a bit better. Um, and just just sort of recognizing how how much to push back on some of the the regulations was quite interesting. Seeing how we could navigate that with. Were you part of the, because um, we talked to Ian Paul, I don't know if you know Ian Paul, um, yeah. but we talked to him and he, he was on Sky News, I think, defending the several hundred, if not a thousand pastors that or leader, church leaders that are signed to keep churches open um, yeah. in a second lockdown. Uh, were you were you part of that? Was that something that Affinity did as well, or was that? Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, I was one of the signatories of that. Um, I can't remember. There was a number of letters, but I think I think mm. I was signatory to that. There was another letter that was to do with vaccination passports, which I, I kind of agreed with in principle, but I didn't didn't sign that one in the end for various right. reasons. Um, but yeah, I did sign the church opening one. Um, that's they, they were kind of mainly people in our network from the International Presbyterian Church and various others who were kind of at the centre of that and people like Dave Gobbett and various other people who were who were sort of uh, our, part of our little network of, of mates um, right. in, in Affinity. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I can't remember what the question was now, but I was... I'm, yeah, no, it's just... just, just were you part of that? Something that came out of that, though, just out of co- the sort of controversial point that is actually fairly prominent in... Mm. Maybe, is the vaccination passport? So I guess I'd just be interested to. So it's something that I've, I'm aware of. I think I'm against it in the church, but I haven't really articulated my thoughts or really processed them. So I'd just be interested. Have you have you thought through this if you've signed or not yeah, signed I, or? Yeah, yeah. I think I I didn't sign just because some of the language in the letter it wasn't the principle. I think the okay. the principle is is rotten of of vaccine passports so i think they're they're this is not the main point but i think they're sort of biologically epidemiologically a bit dubious anyway because mm. uh the 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 main value of the vaccine is not so much stopping transmission so i think they're they're dubious in that sense but i think from a from a christian and church leader point of view i think they're they're discriminatory they kind of go they run counter to what we as churches would would want to be which is places that are, are open to people and there are people who for ec- economic or just communication reasons haven't been vaccinated you know they're just mm-hmm. not in they're not in the same kind of you know media bubble that everyone else is in there are people who for principled reasons to do with the the fact that it's from a kind of fetal line who have mm-hmm. not been vaccinated and uh, I just wouldn't feel in good conscience that I would want to exclude them on that basis, mm. um, yeah, particularly the ones who are in good conscience have, have not done it. And I wouldn't want to be standing at the door. I mean, it's bad enough kind of asking people if they've got symptoms on the way in, but asking them to give kind of yeah. proof of proof of vaccination just seems, it just seems counter to kind of the gospel. And I think, mm. I think with COVID, we basically moved to a time of, from a time of uh, the, the prudent thing was to, to kind of take the medical advice and, and trusting God meant that we, that we, you know, kept the rules. I think we're now in a state where we say we're, we're going to keep the rules, but we're going to trust God as well. So we'll we'll mm. take the reasonable amount of risks in life that we would normally. Um, and and we can't just we, we we can't get into a mentality where you just reduce risk to zero. Yeah, yeah. I, I think 
that was something that was definitely said by him Paul on the uh on the interview he did with Sky was just the um the need for faith in the face of death. Yeah. But also the recogn and the recognition that, that we as Christians have something to offer society in that uh arena where death is sort of surrounding us. But also that we can't remove that risk totally and and our society seems to be so risk averse and just just to only if you've got a comment on that feel free but i was just going to clarify a little bit i, I think with the, the vaccine passport it's just a maybe push back is there any sort of form of check that you would be satisfied with so if it was like vaccine or a lateral flow test or, or do a lateral flow test in front of us and and is there any sort of um, middle ground between absolute not, it's against the gospel, yeah, we'll do a few checks because there might be a risk? Um, I'll just be interested in your thoughts. And, and yours, Dan, because we haven't talked about this either, Dan. So, Why don't you Graham, go first, Dan? <laughs> you can yeah. go first, Dan, if you want. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, I think as Graham's already said, the... the there's so much confusion out there. Like I still speak to people, like um, you know, friends and family, and, and sort of um, about this sort of the misunderstandings about the purposes of vaccinations, um, how different vaccines are different. Like the, the whole modus operandi of, of, of certain vaccines is is different. You know, some stop you getting the disease, a disease. Mm. You know, and 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 so the idea of reaching sort of herd immunity is the fact that upon reaching that threshold no one you're not it's very difficult to pass on the disease the difficulty the challenge which we know now with um with the covid vaccine is that it doesn't necessarily um stop the spread of infection but it stops the severity uh it reduces the severity of those symptoms and the and the likelihood that someone's going to be hospitalized um and reduces mortality basically it reduces morbidity and mortality rates in mm. those who are at highest risk so um and that that's very different i think when you're, you're dealing with a a disease with uh, much higher mortality rates, um, and and that's that's not to diminish the um, you know the the the, uh, the 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 deaths and 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 harm that's been done by COVID, but the, the I think now we have we, we're able to we have a bigger picture we have a lot more data we have a lot more to, to to go on I think the the case for making you know vaccines mandatory is weakened um, by that. You know, if you're dealing with something like Ebola or, uh, you know, um, we, we talk about very serious high, high mortality rates and you've got some experiment like that. Well, of course, there's a there's a much there's a there's a there's a much stronger make case to be made. I'm not saying I know exactly where that threshold would be. but I, I don't think what we, what we know now that the that the ethical case uh, and the medical case for, for justifying vac mandatory vaccines is, um, is is particularly warranted. So it's not it's not something I would support as an ethicist um at, at, at all um i don't think there's a there's a very strong case to be to be made for it um what what you what you argue is, is interesting though is because it's, it kind of illustrates the problem that church leaders have had which is there's some theology to do with uh church and state to do with how ready are we to take risks do we trust god to do with our fear of death so there's loads of interesting theological things but we've also had to try and become semi-experts in epidemiology um, yeah. and risk management as well, which are not 
always our core skills. So it's been quite mm-hmm. kind of testing. And some of the some of the decisions we've had to make are are a, are a sort of combination that's it's difficult to um, unravel which 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 is the most important. You know, there's a theological point and there's a risk management point. So uh, if you were totally unconvinced by the, the, the biological or the medical case, you know, would you rebel? You know, that's interesting. So that means your decision is based on more than theology. It's based on theology plus your assessment of whether the, what the government is asking you to do is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, you know, what's been interesting in, in debates we've had in Affinity, we, we, we did a little mini conference on it. Uh, we met recently in person in September and uh, as, a, as a sort of network of leaders and, uh, you know, gave papers on what we learned from COVID. And what, what's interesting is trying to test the limits of how how overreached would the government need to be for you to actually say the government says we, we, we can't meet, but we're going to meet anyway. Um, you know, everyone's kind of clear if, if people say you can't preach the gospel, you can't say, you know, Jesus Christ is the son of God. Uh We'd all we'd all say we should meet. You know, we might mm-hmm. we might try and be be clever about how we meet and not you know not invite getting arrested, but we'd we'd all want to meet, wouldn't we? But when it comes to the kind of medical ethical questions, we're having to kind of wrestle. Yeah, quite how bad is this? And you know mm-hmm. how uh, you know how much how much how unloving am I if we meet anyway? And how how reckless am I being? So I think it's well, really there, hard. There is mm-hmm. it is hard. It is, and and the problem is there is a there's a fog at the beginning with any pandemic it is there is a fog of uh, you know and the fear we we went through and we're looking at what's going on in china initially and that that we were driven by fear and i think we everything i think we did the right thing initially i absolutely agree i think caution is warranted in the face of of that sort of fog and it's taken it's taken 18 months to you know 12 to 18 months to really figure out right what what's going on you know, try and try and figure out and how, how we're going to move forward and how we're going to how we're going to respond now, um, knowing what we know, whilst as Christians still trying to love our neighbours, still trying mm-hmm. to uh, still want to be in position where we share the gospel, open churches, people can go to work, um, uh, you know, etc. It's it's um, it, it's it's really challenging. I like how you said about you've actually had to become an epidemiologist and things like that. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of the um, I'll be brutally honest. I think some some church leaders have been absolutely reckless, and mm. in becoming epidemiologists, they've become terrible epidemiologists, and, mm. and uh, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, mm. In terms of uh, vaccines, especially, has been has been uh, a frustration. I think a, a lot of for about twelve months, all I did was talk about vaccines and, and try and um, I have a sort of medical background yeah. and try and just try and deal and it, it became tiring listening to christians just and christian leaders and people i respect just talk nonsense and promoting mm. it as as truth um and and, and mm. lacking lacking humility like I, i'll be on a thread just and i'm not being nasty like i absolutely I, I've, I've read jonathan heights the righteous mind and you know obviously the gospels as well you know driven you don't persuade people you very rarely do you persuade people by coming across as a dick basically and, <laughs> and so and and it doesn't matter how whether what you're saying is true if you come across if someone if 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 you come across as mean and and people are not going to be persuaded so i tried my best just to say look this is this is the fact what you're saying is not necessarily true here's why a b c d and people mm. would just laugh emoji block you and these were you know priests pastors um mm. and, and it was it was it was really it, really shameful and it, it it was it was upsetting just thinking 
but you, you've just lied to all these people. You're saying this is tangibly untrue, and you're spreading this to the hundreds of people in your, you know, in your congregation. Your and I, I found that one of the most upsetting and frustrating um, things as as people that expertise problem. Yeah, you're expert. You might be a theologian, but it doesn't mean that you're uh, you're not a um, you know an epidemiologist or um, or anything else. It's very frustrating. Yeah. yeah. But I, but I still think those questions are hanging to do with how far would the government have to go? How mm. how much are we now driven by fear? Uh, have we you know have we become too risk averse? So I I could still keep all the rules and accept the case as as you said for being conservative, particularly in the early stages. I can accept all that, but still I have a worry about whether I have become and that we have become uh, slightly too much driven by fear and and the, the desire to control risk and right this this the this the the pandemic has kind of exposed that in in all of us to some degree and uh mm. yeah I and mean, what it hasn't done which is really disappointing is it hasn't provoked a revival i think a few of us thought wow loads of people are going to die there's going to be millions mm. become christians because nobody wants to die um but in in the way god works it that that hasn't quite happened it's more that the church mm. has argued with itself for a while yeah, yeah um yeah. and we've worked out what's wrong with the church rather than what's wrong with the world problem yeah I, I, and, I, I, and we still disagree about what's wrong with the church so yeah. <laughs> it's still we, we can't even unite on that front i think i think <laughs> we could say that if if the government said today you can't go to church we would just ignore that i hope so uh, I think we would, but even that would be controversial. I mean, I, I'm I'm a head of this network called Affinity, and within I that, didn't think that would be controversial. I um I think there were there were I'm just going through through the process. There were people who were so let alone you know in an individual church in a church network, you got people who were, wanted to meet even when we weren't allowed to meet in November, uh, you know, for that month when in England at least you you weren't allowed to meet. So there were people who were still meeting in my network. And people who were thinking, I'm too on the side of the conservative sort of, you know, don't meet kind of group. And then there were people in the conservative don't meet group who were saying, I'm too much on the side of the kind of rebels because, you know, I tried to give both sides a voice in, in that sort of thing. And I think mm. even now, I reckon if if a number of church leaders went to our elders and said, the government have just said, you know, we're going into a harsh winter. We're going to lock down for a month in November. I don't know. I I, I personally would think it's not credible but I don't know whether whether churches would just would just go for it because that's what, kind of what we got used to and we know how to do it. I, I don't know. I think that might be a bit more controversial than you think. Hmm. I would have. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it would have been. I mean, it... but now you've said it. I think I, I think I'd rebel now because you you said that we. But <laughs> <laughs> the thought is still fault. He started. Well, it. I just I just it, it, I'm absolutely. Like, do you mean so do you many... mean like don't meet as in don't meet because if it's a lockdown or just the government's just suddenly said churches can't meet. I think if they said, it, look, it's different, isn't it? I think if, it, if it's like, I don't know, it's different if they said for two weeks, look, for two weeks, we're going to do this. But if it's a sort of, right, you're not meeting, there's no there's no designated endpoint. I think that becomes that becomes problematic for me. I think that would be, mm. well, where, look, where's the evidence? Like, what, what, what is it What yeah. is it about meeting at a church that increases the risk of, of yeah. uh, for, for people? Um it, it's difficult especially I mean, when they're but, following the guidelines especially if you're following the guidelines like if you're if you're in church so i don't I, you can meet you can wear you can wear you wear masks uh sanitize your hands you know don't come in if you've got symptoms you know you'd be you'd be sensible you know 
those that are willing to get vaccinated be vaccinated. It's difficult to see because at the moment, um, it's difficult to see how, if, if you look in two years' time, how different will we be right now in two years? Yeah. Probably not that. Probably not that different. A lot of us hope that'd be different, but the the realities are the the. I don't think it'll be that different around. in two years. I don't. I don't think it will be that different. And I think is that because me be... medically you just get to a point where you've got you know ninety percent of people have got antibodies, but it's cycling all the time, it's waning. More people are catching, so you have like a you have a core group of people who are always going to be catching and passing on. Well, and you also need a variant as well. What happens yeah. if you suddenly get a new variant? You know, Delta was like twice as it made it was twice as communicable as the as the initial um, coronavirus. So, what happens if you now get something that's even more changing a change in the spike protein? Suddenly, you know, your existing vaccines are not as efficacious. Um, it, it, it's yeah, um, there's so many variables you don't know. So you, mm. you, you could be in a worse place in two years than you are now. Not to, yeah, mm. but potentially. I'm not. I, I hope we, are, you know, how many boosters do we need by then? <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and I hope I hope that we're not. Um, but I also mm. think there'll be other treatments as well. There's other a lot of pharmac, you know, a lot of people are not don't want to be injected with things. Okay, well, Merck's are working on pills, and, and there's there's all sorts of different mm. things that people are much more likely to do that will reduce. The severity of um, you know disease and and symptoms mm. and things. So, have you guys got any kind of I don't know one or I let you do two big lessons from COVID time? If you kind of span the whole eighteen months and say, mm. yeah, what I learned during COVID was you know how to do online podcasting, or I learned something about myself, or I learned something about church, or I learned nothing at all. <laughs> this this started in pandemic, so yeah. this whole this whole um, podcast and. I meet across people uh, across the world. So we've had people like Sam Chan while he's in Australia and a few people from the States chatting with us. So broadening that network, I think. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm still processing how divided people are mm. over, because it wasn't just pandemic in the last 18 months. It's the race question. Yeah, It seems like... Um, the church has become both woke and anti-woke at the same time. Yeah. And there's like very little middle ground so that even Tim Keller's being called a Marxist. Um, so it's, it's just trying to process that at mm. the speed at which division has hit the church over some, over just the basic of what it means to love your neighbor. Um, and, as Dan said, there's just this, the recognition of some. There's been quite a few high-profile pastors and preachers that I'd have tolerated in the past, but now I'm like, I can't, I can't even listen to you. Uh, you're just everything's everything's political. And while yeah, there's the gospel is political and and does ha have things to say about politics, it's it shouldn't be waving a Republican flag, even in the UK. Um, so it's, it's just, um, yeah, I, I guess that's one process. I'm not sure if I can say what I've learned because I'm still learning mm. how to navigate that at the moment. So I'm really intrigued by affinity and what they're doing to, to bring unity when we have such polarized views, which even sound like hatred within the church. Um, you hear you you watch what people are saying about the woke or the anti-woke or the democrats and 
even though we're in England, I'm seeing these conversations going, well, who cares? <laughs> what, who cares if Trump wins or loses? Like that's, that shouldn't affect us. Um, and then let alone the ones that were before pandemic of like abortion, assisted dying and stuff that were always polarized outside the church, that Ooh. polarization. So I, in answer to your question, I'm still not sure. I'm not sure I can nail it down to one thing. I think it's just realizing that maybe that division was in the church in the first place, but it was more tolerated rather than a united aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think some of it's, been amplified by the crisis but also a lot of it is amplified in social media and it's, mm. it's a kind of a it's a slice it's not necessarily what's going on across the church more generally um, yeah yeah and um yeah uh why it's quite perplexing is that i think some people have lost the ability to reflect on themselves and mm -hmm. think about why they're saying what they're saying so my observation is that um for want of a better word, both left-wing and right-wing views are being expressed with no sense that that there's there's a kind of political judgment aspect to it. And um, it's not just happening on one side, in my observation. So, uh, you know, so, so people are thinking mm. a, a right-wing view is more Christian and some people are thinking a left-wing view is more Christian. It's not it's not just that, you know, the, the right wings have gone crazy and are, are more like, mm -hmm. you know, the Republicans in the States and the left wings are all the sensible ones. It's kind yeah. of it's, yeah, it's happening all over yeah. the place. And, and I, I give a little sort of example that that I met with someone recently who who was saying, well, you know, what are you doing going on GB News? That's a right wing channel. You know, and I mm -hmm. said, well, I just go wherever anyone asks me because it's like a great opportunity. You get a little slice where maybe for one minute you can talk about the gospel. So I don't really care where I go. You know, mm -hmm. if, if the Guardian wants to interview me or BBC, and I'll, I'll do all of those. But yeah. it was an interesting conversation how they sort of positioned that as kind of being right wing and that that was an mm -hmm. issue. And some people on Facebook sometimes say, well, why are you talking about refugees more? Or why are you talking about um, uh, the the £20 change in the universal credit? And I, I don't have a right wing or a left wing view on the, the £20 change in the universal credit. But I think that is a very political kind of judgment a very precise um sort of you know narrowly focused judgment on on that and but some people genuinely think you know the christian view is that you should be against it and there's probably some people who think you know the genuine christian views could be for it you know my my genuine christian view is i don't have a clue uh, about that so you, know, you can what you can talk you know, talk about principles of you know yeah. caring for people and you might you know debate redistribution of wealth in general but you know particular policies and you know, refugee policy is really hard to figure out. Um, you mm -hmm. know, what's the right Christian view? You can say we, we want to welcome the stranger. We want to care for those people who are, you know, genuine um, f fleeing persecution. You don't want to encourage trafficking. So you can, you can have all these kind of principal milestones. But that might lead people to slightly different political conclusions from that. Yeah. And you have to kind of respect that. And and. I'm always trying to reflect on is what I'm saying a general Christian principle that everyone will agree on, or am I now have I now moved into a kind of an opinion which I mm -hmm. need to context it as this is just my opinion, I'm not really sure. Anyway, I know we've we yeah. got a bit off topic yeah. there, but um No, 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 I think I think that I think that is important in the sense of just thinking about cultural wars and unity. And I, I think that's a sense of humility that I, I don't see in many of these conversations. Um and so I, I I guess maybe that is a point of, of, of learning over COVID is be more humble about what you do and don't know. 
Um, yeah. And I think there's there's an aspect of being a preacher and a teacher and a pastor where it's it's best that you sound confident, even if you don't know <laughs> what you're talking about, and say it confidently and, and drop in a few Bible verses and you'll be okay. Rather than go, actually, I'm still wrestling with this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to work out how best to serve the church through this myself. And yeah. that's that's an okay place to be as a pastor rather than as this guy at the top preaching down, everyone follow me in this direction, even if I don't, I don't really know what I'm talking about. Um, so, yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Dan, how about you on that one? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think so many things. I think one, one thing was value of family. Um, I think it really brought that home a bit more, the importance of family and, and how much my kids missed their family um, and how we were, you know, uh, you know, already knew that the family unit should not be an island, but I think it hit home not being able to see people as uh, as much as we would have liked. Yeah. What way do your affects. kids stand? Uh, so they're two, four and six. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, so they that hit them really hard and seeing really like their mental health like it seems weird you know talk about the mental health of a three-year-old but my, my son um really was going mad because he couldn't see yeah. his grandparents and once he did it was fine it was literally it just changed mm-hmm. it was it was it was it was really got into a dark you know as, as dark as a three-year-old you know place can get mental i think he really really made him sad he was sad mm-hmm. and uh they were they were all sad and it was it was um it, it just made such a difference i think um uh, other things i think initially in the pandemic very hopeful about it felt like even before the pandemic politically we were just fractured we were fractured and uh, I, I thought in some hopeful way it would draw us together and, and it did for about a month you know we're all mm. you know mm-hmm. blowing you know trumpets and you know and whistles and shaking things in the front door and people in politics and different parties are being nice to each other and then sort of like two months later we're all back to being you know hmm. just broken again it was it was uh, it was just amazing how quickly we could um so i guess that was a, a lesson in our uh, our flawed sinful nature uh, unfortunately <laughs> so it was um yeah I, I can think of so so many things i i learned throughout that that that, that um i certainly wouldn't want to go go for it again i think friendship as well i don't really um, I, I've never, I, I don't feel like I need to have, you know, be around people all the time. I kind of like being left to my, myself, but I think during, during COVID, I, I really missed just conversation with friends, mm-hmm. uh, and I, which is what forced us to do this. I like interesting conversations, uh, you know, whether that's sort of theology, philosophy, history, whatever, whatever sort of going on, I like, and, uh, and to be deprived of that was, uh, I found quite, quite difficult, I think, towards, towards the end, especially. So this is why this was quite helpful. It was almost sort of therapeutic, I think, in a way, mm. to, to get to chat with Phil a bit more and, and to, to, to chat with other people as well. Uh, I've, I've, I've enjoyed it. And again, it's not the same as being physically present. Even this is great, but it's not the same as being physically present. But mm. um, that, that's something I, I found quite helpful. So it kind of uh, shone a light to a kind of need that I told myself i didn't really have but actually i do mm. you're not as introverted as you think <laughs> uh, well 
I can revert to type quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess through this, you said you had a conference fairly recently about that very question. Yeah. So do, do you have a like summary of of what you guys as a sort of group came to in the conference, like things moving forward, how to move the church forward, what, what, what you wouldn't go back to? Uh, yeah, um, we, if you look on our website, finity.org.uk, um, there's a, there's a paper by John Stevens, which was the kind of one of the things. So we basically looked at it. What lessons from the church kind of has there been from, um, COVID and then kind of what lessons in terms of, of the kind of country in which we live and so on. Um, so from the sort of church point of view, uh, we thought about kind of what it said about church and state, and we all we all kind of I don't know figured out how to how to comply, but using our own ecclesiology. So there were yeah. there were there were quite some fun things like the, the Presbyterians who would have a different view about church and state. They they would say you know the the state could never tell the church what to do, but in this case we're going to do what the state wants us to do. <laughs> Whereas the sort of um, you know, independent evangelicals were a bit more chilled about that kind of relationship. The, the Anglicans were different again. So I think we all, we all kind of found our way to sort of get there. Um, we were more reflecting. So we, we went kind of back over what does it teach us about our ecclesiology? What does it teach us about kind of social media and the, 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 the escalation of debates on social media? Um, what's it taught us about leadership and how you lead through a crisis, how you lead when um not everyone agrees but it's not theological <laughs> so you know normally you lead through like you know we're going to do this we've got this strategy for the church we're going to do this and here's the theological basis and there's a bit of judgment involved but you know you know we as leaders are together and nearly always the church is is, is with you on it when there are differences that that are not theological it's just it's just something we've never learned to lead through really um so we reflected quite yeah. a lot on that um chatted through that sort of thing um uh what else do we think about uh yeah the ecclesi yeah the ecclesiology goes on forever i could i could uh, <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so those 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 sort of things really um yeah. about ecclesiology leadership um about faith and risk so kind of things i've hinted at already but yeah yeah asking us to question um are you lacking in faith if you don't carry on meeting during this kind of thing? Um, and, you know, where are the kind of endpoints to that? And do we only trust God when we think it's a reasonable risk? So, <laughs> you know, I could say when I catch an airplane, I'm trusting God, you know, to preserve my life, but I'm actually also making a risk calculation. And I wouldn't trust God if, if airplanes statistically fell out of the sky half the time, would I? No. Um, no. So, but is there a, is there a, is there any kind of point at which you say, well, I will take a risk because this is more important to me? And, and where are those points? I, I think it's like it's like throwing the whole thing up in the air about that. It's, it, I'm, I'm a bit like um, a, uh, a, a bit like you fill in the sense that I'm still processing after this as I'm as I'm just illustrating because yeah. I'm I'm huffing and puffing. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what do I actually think? I haven't got the answer. I've just got loads of questions. Yeah. About, yeah. Yeah. About faith and risk and is if it was clear-cut like 
you know, I'm going to I'm going to walk through the the fire in order to tell this person the gospel who won't hear about it any other way. You know, that that would seem kind of like very virtuous and noble. But there are lots of kind of micro risks we take. Yeah. And would we would we take a bit more for the sake of the gospel? And what what would we take? You know, yeah. Is this got me to a mentality where if I was going to get shot, you know, I wouldn't because I'd think, well, mm. I don't want to die in this way. <laughs> this is me being sensible about life. You know, as a good Christian, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of honouring life. And so I'm I'm not going to get shot. And this person will hear about the gospel some other way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Out, out of in. Oh, go on, Phil. You, you go. You were going to say something. No, uh, it, it, was, it was more just that interesting comparison of the amount of people that felt like it was a persecution against the church to be closed. Yeah. Uh, that, and it was just an interesting point of the faith and risk. And I think because there was more nuance to it uh, and, and very early on in our, our channel, we had a good conversation about nuance with, with Andy kind, but the, the lack of it on social media, I think that was amplified as soon as we started yeah. getting past the, right, I'm not clapping for NHS. Maybe we should give them a pay rise instead of everyone clapping and, and that kind of argument. But we, we don't have any nuance anymore in these conversations. And the moment churches were shut down, you had a bunch of people saying this is persecution. And it, well, no, <laughs> there's, there's medical reasons, or at least there were, uh, there was an unknown risk at the time. So it's not so, persecution. And, and so it's, it's, does the church have a persecution complex? I think was a question that at some point, and maybe it still, still does in the West. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that was more my, my comment. Um, Dan, I mean, if you've got a question. No, I mean, I mean, nuance is hard, isn't it? I mean, social media doesn't reward nuance. Nuance oh, is no. not sexy. Like people no. want either, you know, clear view on the right, clear view on the left, or a bit of madness. It doesn't mm -hmm. want nuance. Nuance is, um, you know, I, I think the truth is often found in the nuance. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think um, it, it really reflects the fact that often social media is not interested in truth. It's interested, obviously, in primary for, you know economic motivations it wants to it wants clicks it wants this it wants to to keep your interest and and nuance is obviously is often a little bit a little bit boring um yeah. compared to to something that's much you know watch so and so smash so, so leftist <laughs> university student watch watch so and so destroy right wing you know like it, it, it that's the stuff that, that that sells but anyway enough of that i was i was going to go back graham in terms of did 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 history um and tradition playing a role in your response in terms of previous like church responses to pandem pandemics in terms of looking back mm -hmm. at church responses during spanish flu bubonic plague you know calvin you know etc going back to you know justinian anyway, did, did, did is, is that something you've looked at or or has that played any part in looking at what christians have done before us in tradition i'm a big yeah, protestant but I, I think there's so much value in church fathers and as i'm sure you do and and looking at church tradition and and the kind of wisdom of those that have gone before us in in things that will you know on paper much scarier you know bubonic plague spanish flu you know, these things had serious high mortality rates um yeah i think the the problem with well positively yes um you know people cleverer than me recalled very quickly at the beginning of the pandemic you know what luther did and what calvin did and what various other people did and you know charles spurgeon at the time of cholera outbreak in in south london and so forth um and i think what you found was the lack of nuance in that as well in that some people kind of used it as an argument for 
sort of exercising faith and, and being reckless and some kind of found little examples that were kind of yes but luther said you know you need to be cautious and blah blah, blah. so people kind of used mm. it in both ways so i'm not sure it particularly informed and i think more especially you can't escape the fact that we have much better knowledge of kind of microbiology than if, if that's what it is um than than they did and you can't not have that knowledge it's a bit like you know charles spurgeon smoked a cigar or whatever you 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 can't say well i've i've you can't ignore the fact that you've got no, more knowledge now that it gives you lung cancer so you have to exercise a different degree of caution um and similarly with now we know a bit more not not a lot but we know a bit more about how transmission takes place and you know we can do testing and all sorts of stuff you, you can't you just got to accept that's the world we live in now where there is knowledge which is which is shaping my decisions in a different way hmm. um you know when you don't know quite you know how things transmit and what your risks are uh you, you take a different view so yeah i think hmm. that's why church history didn't help help sort of especially um uh, Hmm. I mean, on the yeah, just on the persecution front, I I don't think our own church or the kind of churches mostly in my kind of network felt persecuted. I think any of them that were nervous were kind of more nervous about precedent than about necessarily kind of what's happening right now. I think Hmm. the the, the few that were were nervous were like, well, this is okay, but what does this mean about if the, the state now has this lever that it can pull? might it pull it in the future for different reasons um so just just to give give them a bit of <laughs> a bit of credit yeah, yeah, yeah. i think that was yeah, more their, yeah. their kind of argument rather than thinking yeah. this this is active persecution now um interesting you know there, there were debates about magna carta and stuff weren't there i don't know if you followed all those but um <laughs> which i basically didn't understand but i i you know observed um yeah. i did, did hear some churches meeting on farms and things secretly and I don't know if they went as far as giving the sign of the fish, but they uh, were definitely like meeting when they shouldn't be. And um, yeah, there was something. a bit of that. Um, I mean, there was some that were meeting on a farm and a barn for quite a while, but publishing on Facebook. So that that was yeah, uh, and that was Clever. when we were allowed we were allowed to meet. But they were they were able to be more, you know, sing more and do more, right? Um, because they were meeting out in a in a barn and in a field. Like an illegal raid, yeah. or something. yeah. yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, there there were some clever options that I think could could be learnt from, and that those that sort of had, and even at the University of Surrey, where I work uh, a decent amount of time, they they ended up with one of the biggest outside venues in Europe for one point, at one point because they they basically got a huge marquee, and when the when the the walls are up, that's mm. that's an outside venue. And they they just put stacks of out uh, outdoor patio heaters in there, and they had table service, and they ended up with um, a venue where students could actually meet legally in groups of six and be socially distant picnic tables. Um, and there's there's if the church has space for something like that, that could be a creative way of being the church in the same space. Um, and I saw people doing that with um, outside venues of circles on the on the ground, and they had enough space to to have everyone social distanced. You could do an outside service. So there were there were creative ways to work within the law while still being the church. Um, in well, yeah, by, by yeah. embodied I mean, we, church. 
we we last Christmas we did a drive-in carol service, which was something we'd never done before, mm. and um, we've never really needed to do it before. But yeah, uh, I never even thought about it. But because you could meet outside and because you could sing outside, um, so we went to Arding Lie Showground. It's kind of agricultural showground thing, and they <clears throat> one of the big car parks. And we set up a stage on one side and, and people drove in and they got out of their cars and we, we did some fun stuff and we did a whole Christmas presentation and sung loads of carols and had a band and all that stuff. So that, that was right. something we never would have done. Um, it cost us a lot of cash, yeah. mind you, but um, <laughs> it, it does, was really yeah. good. It was a phenomenal number of people. Uh, I put it on Facebook and we had like 120 people for 120 cars for each kind of slot. And we thought, oh, we'll do one slot see how it goes put it on facebook and they like went bam put another wow. session on for the afternoon they went again and so we ended up doing three one after the other continuous or contiguous um yeah. uh yeah the, what are the opposite simultaneous is we did three one after the other <laughs> um yeah. uh just repeated the program three times and uh yeah they all sold out wow. completely sold out and we had loads and loads of people that would never normally come to church stuff now they mm. weren't that sticky in that I think there was there was nothing going on. There was no sort of winter wonderland stuff going on anywhere else. In sort of you know shops were all a bit muddled and everything else. So mm. it it kind of captured a mood at the time, but the number of non Christians and non Christian non church people who came was phenomenal. Um, yeah, mm. people want to do, people want to do it again this year. <laughs> I say no, yeah. can't afford, yeah. can't afford yeah. it thousands of pounds. You know, so we we couldn't do it again very easily. Um, yeah. Hi there, this is Phil Dunkarf. Thank you so much for listening to the Critical Witness podcast. If you like what you hear, please do subscribe, share the episode and write a review. It will help others find us. And if you really like what you hear and want us to grow, please do consider supporting us through patreon.com forward slash critical witness. Enjoy the rest of the show. say um just i guess just move quickly just a little bit off covid just before we yeah. wrap up i mean what 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 other things are you kind of dealing with as a as a, as a pastor you think um sort of going going on that that christians should know about but they but they don't kind of things going on yeah um, and what's your because I, I, I was i was uh, it's nice to talk i know phil's an elder uh, but but talking to you as a uh, you know, i think you've been a pastor for much much longer i'm assuming um in terms of like what's the role in terms of things going on in culture but be also being a pastor like what's your role shouldn't you just be teaching the bible or you know should you yeah how do you i think one of one of one of the issues i i have is that in terms of how informed the christian is often depends on book authors they're introduced to or podcasts Mm. and and actually listen to a 45 half an hour 45 minute sermon in terms of everything you're hearing six other you know six and a half days of the week elsewhere um you tend to form a lot of your often a lot of your views based on what outside that space so if you're hearing a sermon on you know jeremiah 2 on on sunday it's very difficult to to well actually there's loads of stuff going out there talking about the environment about free speech about assisted dying i don't know anything the church never never tells me about that 
Uh, and it's uh, it's not necessarily explicitly in the Bible either about masculinity. What does it mean to be a man when we're talking about or uh, or mm. what, what is you know what about the stuff of gender or my children? It's, uh, it, it's very like it, it just seems you, you end up with a sort of you, you you accidentally read a good a good Christian author on something or you don't. And you have a you have a, a, a waffly uninformed, often secular view. So how do you like what do pastors do? Yeah. Well, I think if, if you try and cover all the bases all the time, you, you probably just wear yourself out too much. But in general, um, it was part of the reason why we started our own podcast called Ordinary, which you can also tune into when you finish what, listening to all the episodes of this podcast. But um, <laughs> it, it was just another another way in. So as church leaders, I think primarily we teach the Bible and in the preaching of the Bible, we try and make connections with, with people's everyday lives. But in addition to that, we, we, we try and disciple people in informal conversations, in kind of seminar streams that we do at our church, for example, where, where we do more of a kind of seminar style with discussion and so forth. And it was part of the reason we started The Ordinary Podcast, to sort of engage with not so much culture in, in some sort of fancy way, you know, like, we, you know, we're not constantly doing reviews of squid games or, you know, whatever else is going on, but more hmm. just the big sort of cultural soup that's around there and, and thinking about it so um for example we, we uh might do a topic like assisted dying or environmentalism or identity and identity politics um mm. or questions people ask you know what, what to say if people say something about identity or about christians are homophobic um you know what, what do you think about hell uh what do you think about creation evolution um so those those kind of questions um in in specifics but i think i'm not sure i do it very well all the time or you know mark and other people who preach in our church but we, we sort of try and um as, as well as doing we you know a topic in detail try and sort of make the connection and think about people's everyday lives but you can't sort of overdo it because because people don't have to be sort of cultural experts to kind of figure out uh, you know, I, I love Jesus. Jesus is important to me. Uh, I understand the, the the truth that's in Jesus, and I I kind of understand the lies that are around me. And I, you know, God helping me, I'll try and sort of connect all those things up. So, so you do try and equip, but I think you, you, you can't underestimate people's ability to, you know, if they're if they're spirit filled, um, eager to eager to eager to learn and grow, that they kind of they they figure out ways. Um, and sometimes you, you kind of set the bar high and say, oh, okay, I have to have a, an amazing, brilliant answer to do with homosexuality or, um, you know, to do with environmentalism or, you know, understanding the the, the, the theology and the, the worldview of people who watch zombie movies or something. And I, and I need to kind of have done a thesis on it before I can even talk about it. You know, mm. a, a lot of things are pretty are, are kind of simpler than you think. And, you know, generally speaking, the, the, the people who are really engaging with God, who are reading their Bibles, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but kind of reading the Bibles, praying, thinking about it, chatting about it with other people, that they kind of, it, it kind of helps you spot. You, you don't, you don't always need some, you know, brilliant cultural expert to, to sort of synthesize and deconstruct something. You kind of figure out this is right, this is wrong. I can see where this is coming from, you know. And sometimes those books mm. help us, but, but yeah. Anyway. So I got a bit carried away with that, really. I, I, mean, I do enjoy I do, do enjoy the books as well, but 
you know, don't underestimate the ability of a spirit-filled Christian to kind of figure out a way through. Yeah. Um, I don't think the issue is that we're not culturally engaged or culturally educated enough. The, the problem with my heart, and, and I think sometimes people around me is, you know, we don't we don't love God, we don't trust God, we don't meditate, and we don't engage with God and His Word enough, and we don't pray enough. You know, those are sort mm. of things. Mm-hmm. I don't want to become legalistic about it and say we're all failures. You know, that, that there is, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's not. Mm, yeah. It's not. I need to pick another book. I mean, I, I love books. There's yeah. a great book called Plugged In that's just behind me there. That uh, Dan Strange wrote, and um, you know, Making Christian Christianity Magnetic. Another book he's wrote, which you know talks about cultural connection points and you know i'm i'm reading dre her book on on basically sort of cultural marxism live not by hmm. lies that's it you know which is really interesting um and uh yeah the anyway lo- lots of books and they do kind of help but uh you know people think you know because i do a bit of media stuff that i'm really sort of clever on all this cultural stuff and i i, I just don't think so you know I, yeah. I try and not prepare for any interviews because i think it's it's it should just come naturally. <laughs> That's really interesting. I think yeah. Ian, Ian Paul talked a bit about media, and I think he uh, would say the opposite. <laughs> I try and prepare. That's really interesting. I think that shows the difference difference of, of working and being able to think on your feet, maybe, and, and, and the confidence in that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that I, I've sort of underlined, and I'd just be interested to get your thoughts, Graham, on, on that, as it's, it's something that... I'm trying to work out if it's actually as big a problem as as I think it is, and it's come up in some polls that we've done. That it, there's a common conception that um, Christians in the church generally don't know how to access the Bible, or um, and and I think what I've underlined is there's truth in nuance, and that kind of pinged into my mind. There's a, there's a sort of a way that a Christian should read the Bible is wrestling with the text in its context, looking at sort of really digging in beyond just uh, here's a verse, this is what it means. Um, and so I, I found that in that finding in that tension that I can understand what people mean by when they say they love scripture now in that there's something to wrestle with, to meditate on, to just, chew on beyond the 30 45 minute sermon but really let it uh, impact what you're what you're thinking and seeing how the bible works together and and sort of um what what used to be kind of nerdy is actually now changing how i view god and theology and it, it all sorts of works together so i guess yeah. a big thing as a elder for me at the moment is trying to get people both to understand the good news and why we call it good news not just it's something you need to know to get to heaven um but also like how to fall in love with the whole bible not just the bits with jesus in them and why the old testament gives us such a, a foundation i just i'll just be interested in your thoughts as a as a pastor as well just to, do you think that's the case for those who are struggling to walk the cultural waters? Do you see even anecdotally a connection between a lack of how to grasp and read the Bible with how they're doing with what's going around them? Or is that just, yeah, it, it depends I, on the person. Yeah. I suppose why I'm hesitating slightly is because I'm, I'm totally with you in, and you know, I'm, I'm, schooled in the whole idea of 
studying a text in its context and seeing the kind of big yeah. picture and how it fits in in the whole bible how it fits in the, the particular place particular verse people it's written to all that stuff you know what do the words mean and all, that, all those things so i'm 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 really into that and i, I do think that's the richness of the bible and the, the bible is this kind of this mind that just goes on forever where you're always learning more stuff mm. and that's the genius of it um so i'm with you and in, in agreeing that you know not everyone's kind of always doing that I, I i'm just hesitant about setting the bar too high for everyday christians yeah. and yeah. and i think it's not so much falling in love with the bible it's falling in love i know this is going to sound cheesy but you know falling in love with god falling in love with cheesy. christ yeah. Yeah. and yeah. and you know, God, God will help you as you do that. Um, I suppose one of the, the wrestles I'm having at the moment is that the, the, the church is generally, and this is not new to me, this is loads of other people are talking about it much more eloquently, but um, our struggle in reaching people who are not professionally, academically trained. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we have some in, in the area we are, uh, you know, as a church and we've reached out. That's mainly been through kind of relationships. And I'm always questioning: Is there something in our methodology of of the way we preach and the way we the way we talk about the Bible that has a more of an academic focus than Jesus would yeah. want us to? Because it's it's the style of an English literature process of yeah. You know, what's the term? And and I, and I totally I'm totally bought into that's you know the Bible was written with words that we could kind of um, unpick and and take every word as a, as a gem and figure out how they fit together and what they communicate. So I'm into that, and God's equipped preachers in order to do that. But I also mm -hmm. want people who, who are, you know, electricians and joiners or who haven't got a job at all um, or who are single mums to feel like I, I can just read it and, and God will help me understand it. Not, not in a simplistic mm -hmm. way, but, um, yeah. You're actually getting me talking about stuff that I, I'm not even thinking about. So um, I don't know right. I'm take, taking you off on on other sort of this is what happens on our channel we we say we're talking about unity and culture wars and we go off to how to read the bible so it's yeah, this, yeah. this is, just, <laughs> this is well, well, welcome I, to critical witness this is what we do yeah and i, I felt with with dan i i'm not sure because I, I went on a little rant about something i'm not sure i answered this question entirely but i i do think we are trying to although i've, I've said all the qualifications and nuance i still think we are as church leaders trying to equip people for mm. uh some of the big cultural markers so you, you you do want to do that and i think um our job as church leaders is the um it's, it's the idea of kind of the savage wolves you know protecting from savage wolves it's it's okay to do more than more than preach the gospel in the sense of you know the invitation and the implications for life and everything else it's all right sometimes to warn people about what's out there and what's out there might be just bad teaching in the church but what's out there is also um, bad teaching in the world, for want of a better word. Um, so I do think that's part of my job as well. So I, I didn't think I, had, I answered you adequately there, Dan. No, no, <laughs> I did. I mean, I, I think um, that's part of why I wanted to, to have you on. I think I, I think looking at the podcast and stuff I've heard you talking about is, I think in, you're 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 certainly doing more than most people. I think seem to do in terms of I've, at least I've come across uh, yeah. in immediate vicinity in terms of. You know, using the podcast to try and address certain things, uh, you know, culture that are going on or questions that topics that, that, that Christians should have an informed view about. Um, and um, yeah, and I, I think it's more of a more of a frustration. I think I've, I've found is that you know there are certain ideas culturally that 
if embraced, do let the foxes into the hen house and yeah. start to undermine certain kind of key, um, you know, theological concepts. And, and give me uh, an example of that, just just to help me. Okay, um, so let's let's think about. Um, I, I would say about about seventy five percent of the Christians I speak to don't have. Um, is this going to be the best one? I'm just trying to think about abortion. Don't uh, are either are either loosely pro-choice or don't really in terms of their um, their assumptions about unborn human beings are predicated on things that they've heard culturally and mm. uh, not that they've never. It, it's not based yeah. on a, a, a richer understanding of the image of day and, and what it means to be made in the image of God. All humans. Uh, are made in the image of God. So that would be, I, I, this is the first thing, because that's what I talk about a lot, mm. uh, abortion and, 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 and uh, early life ethics and things. So mm. that, that would be something where I, I think a lot of Christians' views have been shaped much more broadly by um, cultural assumptions than a, an actual Christian anthropology and, and understanding of what the human human person is. And right. and, and I, I, that's, that, that sounds... It doesn't need to be in those lof those sort of lofty terms, yeah. but we but but actually Christian anthropology is really important. If you don't have, you have a wrong you know, anthropology, you end up um, going wrong all over the place. Mm. Um, and and I would say that's that's tied into all sorts of of other other things um, that, mm. that that are that are both rich and and, and important. Um, but I can yeah. I'm sure there's there's so many other things I could think about. When we're talking about assisted dying. We could talk yeah. about um i think is a, is a, is another one uh i think ideas of what it means to be a man uh, and a woman i think uh, uh, can be i think can be um fundamentally undermining i think um all to varying degrees lead what does it mean to be a leader who can lead yeah. um, leadership's a massive one yeah. i think that's a, that yeah. is a big one leadership in like masculinity femininity all these kinds of things that we don't i'd say you know my my I don't. A lot of people I speak to, there's just often very little difference sometimes between the, the, the generic sort of Christian view and what everyone else thinks. And to me, that's that's sad. It's deeply, deeply sad and frustrating um, because I think often uh, the, the the Christian view is rich and informed and satisfying. Um, and I don't think we compete very well in the, the sort of marketplace of ideas, um, no, or even in the church. Yeah, mm. I, th I think what you sometimes get, to, which might be a similar thing, is that people may, in a conservative church, know that abortion is wrong or homosexuality is wrong or um, changing your gender is wrong. But uh, you need to know more than that. You need to know why, but you also need to know some of the kind of heart issues and even even some of the, the good things about identity that are being kind of identified in mm. some of those struggles mm -hmm. that people go through otherwise what you'll end up with is is maybe a, a the, the older generation who say no we shouldn't do that um but we're not quite sure why but we just know it's bad and then you know the next generation will just reject it because they they don't even know why they weren't doing it and you know the cultural pressures are so strong um so yeah so, so i think you've, you've got to kind of got got to get underneath um and ask the the why questions particularly mm. in the you know with the, the cultural pressures out i don't know whether this is true because i'm not one um i'm a baby boomer so that, that's my age 
But I mean, are you guys millennials, or are you a little bit older than millennials? I, I think on the on the well, I'm on the edge of millennial, so Dan's definitely. Uh, I'm I'm, the, I'm in my mid thirties, so wherever that puts me. Um, I think uh, I'm technically. I, I think I, I, am I a millennial? You mid thirties or late thirties now, Dan? Are you telling fibs? I don't know. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the cusp of mid thirties. I think you, I'm... Might, you might be Generation X. I can't remember quite when it when it when it flips over, but um, you. Uh, it goes I'm ninety percent sure I'm a millennial. Okay, I, well, you, you were a little bit yeah. hesitant when you started. Okay. <laughs> no, it's because when, when you said Gen X, I didn't want to be one of those. No. Um, I've just self-identified as a millennial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think I could do that as well? My, well, people are doing all sorts of things these days. My, my, observation, my observation is that millennials tend to be, as millennials are categorised as being, and that's true in the church as well. I mean, obviously, generalisations are ridiculous, but I mm. think it, it's not even that complicated, really. It's just um the 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 culture i grew up in although it was it was not christian was just different you know and and the culture kind of you guys that grew up in and, and the general you know the, the 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 current general cultural current has just been different for you so for 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 my kids who are all millennials i think they're they're you know they've had to work much harder to kind of work through issues that were more just cultural assumptions that i had yeah. uh you know, so roughly speaking, no one was interested in Christianity. They, they probably thought it was a good thing in my generation when I was a kid. Um, you know, the, the, they might have thought it was wrong or something, but they didn't really think it was bad. And, you know, for my for my for the sort of millennial generation, it's been a, a bit more tending towards uh, Christianity is, is actually fundamentally bad or some forms of Christianity are fundamentally bad. So it's not like it's good, but I'm not interested. It's like it's bad. And I'm actually a bit interested because I think it's really bad. Yeah, um yeah. and and then all the things that happen with iGeners and so forth. So um your as it, this does connect with your point, Dan. I think those cultural influences are different for different generations. Yeah. And you have to be kind of aware of that and not not try and address the, the older members of the congregation as though they're millennials or they're generation Z um and be you know super cool with them, but also you know, similarly not mm, understand what you're different roughly what the different generations are kind of sampling and what what things are influencing them um and i didn't get very far but one of the things i did during lockdown was you know we have a you know pretty big 14 to 18 group so you know i like to get them together and just say you know what are you guys watching and what you're listening to and what are your friends talking about and you know what's the biggest thing and uh you know those some of those guys who are christians the, the watching wasn't so interesting in that I kind of roughly knew what they were watching so i didn't learn anything much um you know and what they're listening to you can kind of figure out what, what was really interesting was most of those guys are scared to admit they're christians because of the the, the view in their school from both teachers and pupils that christians are bad because they're intolerant about sexuality mm. you know that's that's like the common message you know mm. i'm meeting with with two guys at the moment uh who are in secondary school and you know they're pretty much convinced about that the gospel is true and they want to be christians but they're kind of push the pause button because they don't fancy coming out as a Christian in school because <laughs> mm. it's, it's just too hard for them. Um, yeah. And you, you, you kind of need to be aware that you know, obviously you've got to push them and, and try and equip them to have answers, but also to say, you know, you, you just got to be brave, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, because that's what following Christ is like for, for, for you guys. Um, yeah. And you I know, can sympathise with that. I, yeah. I, I wasn't, I didn't become a Christian until I was 20. So, you know, school's yeah. hard enough without having, mm. you know, being you know 
with all the other things going on, you know, is is and then being automatically assumed to be an evil, intolerant person is mm. not particularly tempting. Yeah, uh, it's not good for making in, friends in, 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 yeah. in many, in many mean, ways. For my generation, I mean, I, I was I had a Christian upbringing, but I was I was a bit afraid to say I was a Christian, but not because I thought everyone would think I was bad. I just was I was too image conscious. So I thought people wouldn't think I was cool anymore. Mm. Um, which is a different pressure. It's not. It's not quite so intense. And <laughs> clever, not clever people, better people than me overcome it more easily. But when you actually think both teachers and pupils are going to think I'm bad, I'm mm. some kind of fundamentalist, you know, nuthead. It's 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 just harder. Um, uh, so yeah. It, it's, it's anyway, that, that's just that it's, an example of cultural influence. <coughs> It's almost like because I think the way the way it is now, it's almost it's not even that you're it's like you're saying I don't matter. Yes, you're saying you, you believe something. You're saying that I shouldn't exist or I don't matter, yeah, yeah. and it's very difficult because those things it's so it's so deeply ingrained and in, in, embraced in terms of it's it's fundamentally who they they see themselves as. It, it it's the it's it's you can't have it almost takes rational dialogue off the table like there's nothing you can it's very difficult to reason with someone who has a visceral um presumption about about people like you um yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's it, not a battle of ideas it's a battle of no. identities and um the you know the right to have an identity that's whatever it is and that that, that is that is hard and that, that's something we need to try and equip people for and to think about this is not so much coming from an entirely rational. Here's a set of ideas. Here's the Christian idea, and you just need to you just need to snuff out this idea over here with your Christian idea because your Christian idea is better. You know that it, it is true that that's the case, but but the the person who holds this view, whether whether they are sort of practicing one of these things you think is wrong or not, they they. It's bound up in their whole sense of who they are, or who they think people are, or what they think about human beings, and so you've got to go so much further back and kind of navigate your way from the beginning forward again, really, rather than just saying, "Yeah, I think this is wrong, and this is why," you know, because the Bible says you, you may have to say that sometimes because that's the right thing to say, but it's it's, it's yeah. I'm now defeating my argument that any yeah. Christian will use <laughs> navigate it, but so you do need to think through it, but but still, you got to be brave and brave and kind. Mm. Yeah, for every kind of thing is a good good way of putting the two together. I uh, uh, yeah, I think I think there's a there's a lot. I, I like your final comment. That you're not not sure actually if if people are navigating their way through it. A lot of people are just silent on it because it's, it's no easy. one wants to be the bad guy, and it, there is a lot of pressure to yeah to to conform. Um, but it's interesting. You also use the language of come out with uh, with your. You guys in secondary oh, yeah. school it, it is is yeah. that kind of um ostracization that, that others have found in the past for coming out for for sexuality and other identity type stuff and and some still do so how do we navigate as christians recognition now that our young people might be feeling that pressure of conforming and hiding their identity mm. how do we let that help help us navigate navigate how we treat those who are feeling that's that that's what the the church does so is how helpful it, is it to frame it as an identity though because don't you then just you're just you're getting on the train yeah oh oh we're just using yeah it's it's, it's fine that new identity is not a word it? found in the bible 
well, well, come out not not, or, not in not in terms of uh, how how we'd understand it today, like it, yeah. it, cultural parlance. I, I don't know. I I follow Jesus is quite an identity statement, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I I think navigating that with with people in a in a way that says what we believe, but recognizing they're still human and we love them. And I think that's something that uh, going back to the whole COVID thing has shown that we we can't do that on social media very well, uh, particularly, and the church can't even do that for their for their own disagreements, let alone for ones where it involves someone with a totally different worldview saying this is who I am, and we have to say actually we don't we don't recognise that in love, like we we can't even say that someone being unvaccinated or vaccinated uh disagreeing in that in love how are we going to navigate stuff that's actually like for for someone who's secular they're the very core of their being that they are presenting to you and you you're not recognizing that but it, that i think that's one of the, the biggest challenges is we just don't seem very loving amongst ourselves at these days so how, how do we how do we love when we're telling someone else their worldview is wrong Especially, we're meant to be known for our love. Yeah, <laughs> it's brutal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they will. They will know you by how you uh, scream at each other on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, the, particularly the the, uh, the homosexual and trans transgender is actually much easier to navigate, surprisingly, because I think there's there's more mm. cultural connection points and there's more allies for <laughs> discussing it. But particularly mm. homosexuality, in terms of my my media work, it's like like the worst topic it's, it's the kind of heart sink oh god do this again because it's it's not a topic with with all the cultural assumptions you can do in a five minute interview usefully yeah. uh you know you can be faithful to, to scripture and faithful to god and say something but you can't you can't really have a useful conversation um so i i, I try and really avoid it because i think it's it's a much more joined up longer discussion mm. you, you can't you can't say well i love you but i think you're wrong uh in a little soundbite because because what does that even mean um yeah uh, you need you know you need much longer relational um situation or someone who's listening to you preaching or coming into your church and hearing about grace and hearing hearing you say that you know christ accepts everyone and and seeing you talk to them as though you as though you care about them even even if they may have different things that they're doing in their lives that they, that they know you're not happy with to even but they can't. You can't experience that in a in a in a kind of soundbite conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to experience that kind of face to face with you and and over a longer period to even build a relationship where they'll even listen to some some, you know, some thoughts about it. Yeah, um, so uh, earning um, earning the right to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah or, or to trust. Yeah. I'm just uh, aware of the time now, Graham. Mm. We've kept you for uh, for as long as we said we were. Um, and it's uh, it's getting on. Um, mm. Is there anything? Uh, uh, one thing we usually do um, is just ask ask guests about if there's um, any book recommendations. I mean, you've talked about affinity as well, which I'm sure we'll, we'll put a link in for as well. We usually ask people for a couple of book recommendations, or maybe just uh, if someone who hasn't ri- written a book, but uh, someone we should know about as a Christian but don't, and maybe try and you know listen to their podcast or watch a certain listen to a sermon or something like that. I've, I've already recommended the books I've recommended. I, yeah. I, I, did, I, do recommend, I do recommend this book, Plugged In, which I've 
I don't know mm. where I've got too far. Oh, no, I finished it actually. I finished it the other day. Um, there's, in fact, there's one chapter I haven't read, which is I'm just going to tell you this because it's fun. The Japanese domestic toilet. That is the title. Um, because he uh, at the end is kind of an appendix. He kind of goes through some cultural references. So he talks about bird watching, zombie movies, and the Japanese toilet uh, as a kind of worked example of how you make connections with culture and you you sort of you inhabit it. You kind of work out where it's coming from, who's writing, where they're where they're coming from, or you know who's what cultural assumptions are there, what's good in it, what's what's not so good in it. Um, you know, the zombie one was quite interesting, if I could bore you for a few seconds. But the, Go on. Uh, because there's a, there's a zombie series on um, on Netflix at the moment, which, which some of my kids are watching. And the, I'd never thought about it. So it really, it, I, you know, I, I do quite like kind of deconstructing stuff. And the idea that in zombies you're sort of parodying what basically human existence is like, because it's, it's almost can be quite zombie-like and machine-like. So there's that kind of stream of the genre. There's the idea of surviving a sort of Holocaust-type experience um, is also kind of in there. Uh, you know, the, the sense of monotony, the kind of the, 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 the removal of reason, sorry, of moral, you know, because zombies don't really have any moral responsibility and everything else. So... It, it kind of made me think, wow, there's, there's, there's quite a lot going on with zombie movies. I just thought they were a bit annoying, you know, because the, the <laughs> zombies just kind of march around with weird looking eyes and just, um, you know, make just behave rather stupidly. But um, so, yeah, it was it was it was good. You know, emotionally, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure loads of people recommend this book to you. Gentle and Lowly. So good things. Uh, by Dane Orland. So uh, every now and then I read one of those in the morning. So I'm, I'm just got to there in it. Is it a devotional? Uh, is that what it is? What is it? No, it's um, not really a devotional, it? but it's it's well, you could call it a devotional. The, the, the chapters are like two or three pages, right. and it takes some sort of aspect of basically Jesus, but from a point of view of of a sort of really encouraging uh attribute of Jesus that will will give you joy and make you more sort of encouraged to approach him. Um hmm. You know, Jesus's joy in you, and uh, it's, it's very much in the kind of style of uh, some sort of Puritan writings. And I think Thomas Goodwin he kind of um, right. uh, tries to sort of replicate. So, you know, here's a chapter he can deal gently, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. So, he, he kind of encourages you about yeah. how, how gently Jesus deals with you. Look to Christ, he deals gently with you, it's the only way he knows how to be. Um, so it's, unless you're a Pharisee, uh, <laughs> it can uh, be pretty brutal. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. Um, and uh, I've, I've thought about that recently to do with Pharisees and different different approaches. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I just had to had to wreck that moment. <laughs> uh, an, an infinite journey. We're just doing a staff at church at the moment, which is is basically a really slightly engineering way of thinking about sanctification, how you become more like Christ. Right. And although hmm. it's a bit engineering-y, it sort of, it kind of makes you think about how knowledge, which is both factual and experiential, and how you exercise faith, and even simple things like making you think, what do you believe as a Christian? You believe stuff that happened in the past, you believe stuff in the present, like God's there, and you believe things will happen in the future. And, uh, you know, I've been a Christian quite a long time, and just saying it out in that way made me think, it just made, it gave me some sort of categories to think, oh, yeah, this stuff in the past. I mean, I know this, but it was just, it mm. just giving me a vocabulary to think, 
where are the areas in which you're constantly exercising faith? You know, of course, primarily it's in Jesus um, and it's in Jesus' work on the cross. But it's it's based in some, you know, historical things. It's present realities. God exists. Devil exists. You know, the whole spiritual realm exists. You're, you're, you're believing that right now. You know, you guys are, are believing that. So you're exercising faith that that's true. There's a there's a an unseen reality. And you believe that Jesus historically existed and you believe, you know, God created the world. And that was a historical fact. And you believe there's a there's, there's a point in history when the kind of world will be wound up and, and so forth. So faith has these kind of dimensions. That's, that's quite a fun thinking about that. Um, hmm. So, yeah, that's the book I'm reading. This book, this book <laughs> Live Not By Lies. There we are. That's another book I'm reading at the moment. Well, Bob, actually, no, I, haven't, I haven't read that one. I read... Uh... Was it Benedict did he, did he do the option? Did he do he that? He did. Yeah, yeah. So it's a similar thing. There's, you know, a, there's a few there. Um, so yeah, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, if, if you if you do a link for affinity.org.uk, and if you want to find more about the church, it's cchh.org.uk. And if you search for ordinary and get the right one, or if you go on the, the church YouTube channel, ordinary is pinned at the top. If you want to watch nice. and listen to some of those. Um, if you've got ideas for what I should be speaking on TV and radio about, anyone can kind of send in. If you want to pray for the media work that it kind of grows and gets more, that would be great as well. Um, and if, if Dan wants to join our church, if he ever comes again, I'll say, <laughs> I don't know who you are. Have we ever met? <laughs> we've never, we've never met before. You look <laughs> strangely also, familiar. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. That's probably all I want to say. I've, I've really enjoyed chatting. I, I could probably go for another half an hour, but you know, <laughs> no, everyone's sorry. had enough. We could, we could always get you on again another time. We'd, uh, yeah, uh, uh, very much enjoyed just having a conversation, and that's what that's what we do. Dan, any any further comments before you wrap up? No, no, it's good. It was nice. I, I was, we covered some stuff I wasn't expecting to get into the COVID stuff, and I'd sort of, I almost feel in a way I've left a lot of that behind. <laughs> um so having to, to to talk about it again especially like vaccine parcels and stuff is just um is interesting and and getting your perspective i think is really helpful as, as a church leader i think a lot of people are not aware not always aware of the sort of challenges um well the challenge the additional challenges that this has, has brought about for you and things mm -hmm. church leaders have to think and develop expertise in i think is um not necessarily always appreciated as much as it as it, as it should be um but yeah thank you so much for for taking the time to uh to come on and yeah, we'd love to have you back on so we could talk about a good one be environmentalism christianity you know, ecology and and uh and christianity to get some would, people be a, on about, would be an interesting about. one to chat about yeah um, yeah that that and yeah we didn't even touch on assisted dying it sounds like there's, there's there's loads we could talk about so another time um but i appreciate your time graham and thanks for those recommendations as well uh i'll just wrap up quickly then um so those of you that are watching live and those of you who are watching or listening on podcast, thank you so much for your support and encouragement. We do have a list of people we're having on the show over the next couple months, uh, about two a month. Uh, if you are on Patreon, you would have seen that list already. Um, we're very grateful to those who support us financially, uh, just cover the costs of what we do. And uh, if you've got ideas for who we should have on the show, please do ping them through. We're trying to accommodate those. Um, and we'll have those going into 2022. Thanks for watching. Uh, and yeah, give us some reviews. Tell us how you, what you think of our conversation and how surprised I look at the start of every show. Um, we'll uh, God bless and have a good rest of your evening. See you later. Are you not
Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you hear, please do give us a subscribe on YouTube or follow us on any of the social media out there and give us feedback. Get in touch, let us know what you think. If you really enjoyed the content and want to support it, find us on patreon.com.